Welcome to Glow with Brianna Rose. I'm Brianna, your host and glow up coach. Here we talk balancing the internal and external to become the woman you want to be and glow up your life. We talk manifestation, mindset, self-love and more. Get ready to become the next level version of you and create a life you love. Let's glow. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to another episode. We have another special guest on with us today. We have Tali Bell, who is a soul discovery and mindset coach. How are you, Tali? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Good. I'm so excited about this. I feel like we're going to cover some awesome stuff. Definitely. So do you want to tell us a bit more about yourself and what you do? So like you said, I'm a women's mindset and soul discovery coach. So it's essentially my mission to help guide as many women as possible to the life that they desire. I really want to help other women really step into alignment, step into their truest, authentic selves, really embrace every part of them and understand the power that they hold within. I feel like a lot of the time, us as women, we are afraid of that power that we have and you know we've been conditioned by society to you know to shame those powerful the powerful women in the world and I really just want to get as many women as possible embracing the fuck out of that essentially I love that so much I believe that as well people just hide their power too much and women just like settle and we just need to step up I know we do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here for it. So tell us a bit about your personal development journey and how you've gotten to where you are. So my personal development journey um, started when I was fresh out of school at 18. Um, Everyone my age, you know, you get out of school, you do the clubbing, drinking and all that sort of stuff. And for some reason, it just didn't sit with me. Um, I kind of, I don't really know if there was a pivotal moment where I thought, Oh, let's invest in a coach, but that's what I did at 18. And I put quite a bit of money onto a coach. It was a lot of money as an 18 year old. Um, and I started my personal development journey. Then I, you know, wanted to start off entering the real world on the right foot and actually creating the life that I wanted for myself. Um, I was really severely bullied all throughout primary school and high school. And I guess there was, there was a lot of stuff going on in my personal life with relationships and all that. And I don't think I realized how much of an impact that actually had on me until I started working with a coach and she kind of called me out and was like, you don't actually realize how much this has actually affected you. And I was like, shit, (laughs) it has. And And I just completely fell in love with the process of working with a coach and the personal development world and just leveling up in every single way possible. And, you know, I became so in love with, so in love with it that I was like, I need to help do this for as many women as possible because the way that I transformed the way that I leveled up and continue to do so it just blew my mind how, you know, people are going about that every day and they don't know about this stuff. Like it's, it's literally magic. I think it's so magical and I feel like everybody needs to have access to this, this type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's kind of crazy how many people just like aren't into personal development and like growing themselves, but I'm so curious. I don't know. I like people just coaching's definitely gotten a lot bigger now. I don't know if you've noticed that as well. Yeah. 
But a few years ago, like I remember when I told my friends, they were like, what is a coach? <laughs> What's a coach? And I was just like, how, how do people not know this? But it's getting so much bigger now and um, people are really starting to prioritize them and their growth. And it's just so beautiful to see it all flourishing. Yeah. And it's so important to prioritize yourself and like, cause you're stuck with you forever. Like that's something I always tell my clients, like yeah. you're the only person that's going to be with you from start to finish. So take care of you, put yourself first and like build that relationship with yourself. But I'm super curious, like, because for me, getting into my personal development journey, I feel like it was a while before I kind of discovered life coaching. Um, You know, I'd like find YouTube videos or books or whatever it was. And then like that would slowly lead me into discovering people who taught that stuff. So how did you kind of get to the point of finding a coach? Was it that like the first thing you found and you're like, oh, I want to do this. So how did you get there? Yeah, so I, it was actually, I, I was following Chloe Zephanowski on Instagram actually years ago and, or maybe it was on YouTube. I think it was on YouTube and she posted a video with Laura Grady coaching um, and who's my coach. And I saw, you know, she was working with her and she kind of recorded a little bit of her session. This was back when Laura had an office space and I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, I need this woman in my life. And I literally messaged her straight after or sent her an email. And that was pretty much how it all started. That's kind of how I discovered her at that point. I didn't know that this was a thing. I thought, oh, this is just, you know, someone doing this. I didn't know it was an actual industry. I didn't know that there were more coaches out there um and that's kind of how I stumbled across it I wasn't doing anything for my per you know a lot of people ease into it with like podcasts and books and all that and I kind of just (laughs) jumped into it and then the books and the podcast came after but yeah it was very weird how it all happened but it definitely all happened the way it was supposed to for sure yeah I love that I love seeing people just like dive straight in it's incredible. And for those who don't know Laura, she will be on a podcast episode coming soon. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> but let's dive into it. So how do the women listening discover who they truly are and how do they connect to that under all like the opinions and values, beliefs, perceptions that have been like placed on us by others? How do we really discover who's us and really connect to like our true core self? Biggest thing intuition it's literally your intuition is I believe the the root of everything um your intuition is you know it's working for your highest good it's that connect deepest connection with yourself with the universe which is a little bit where we're so hopefully we're all here for that um it's the deepest connection with all of that and when you listen to your intuition, that, that first five second thought that you have when you go to make a decision or um, you go to take an action, when you listen to that and you, you trust it and you don't do the overthinking, you don't do the questioning, the second guessing, when you trust that initial thought, you are working towards the path. I believe, again, really woo-woo, that before we come out into this earth, we all sign a soul contract that soul contract is our life's path. That's why, you know, paths are never, they're never straight. We're constantly going, you know, all over the place trying to figure out where we go, but we're always coming back to that. And every single time you listen to your intuition, you're being guided back onto that path of the life that you are supposed to be living. The version of you that is your highest self. Um, 
in terms of, you know, the opinions and the beliefs and the societal conditioning and how do we actually figure out who we are through all of that, it all comes down to doing the inner work because there is so much conditioning. And I know we're going to get to this a little bit later, but the way that we are brought up as children in our formative years, we can't, I'm just trying to think about how to word this. We need to be able to go through and heal all of that first, because if we're not doing the inner work and we're going through life with these outdated stories and beliefs about ourselves that we have had, you know, our parents put onto us, other authority figures, friends and family, we're essentially walking through life blind. We aren't aware of our true potential and we're more often than not living other people's truths and other people's beliefs. So when you're walking through life with this, with a certain belief, for example, that you've picked up as a child, that's not your truth. That's somebody else's, but instantly it completely clouds your judgment of, you know, who you actually are. Once we do the inner work and we start working with a coach and we start peeling back all these layers, like an onion, <laughs> we start peeling back all of the layers. You start to see glimpses of your true authentic self and you start to question these beliefs and question these outdated stories. And only then are we able to start actually seeing us for who we really are once we've gotten rid of all the conditioning and all of the expectations and beliefs that everybody's put onto us. So trusting your intuition and just doing the thing that makes you scared, <laughs> getting out of your comfort zone and just doing the inner work to really start question and you can do it without seeing a coach but questioning when you have a belief come up that's perhaps i can't do this or i'm not good enough questioning it and saying well no who who told me that when you know when was that decided that i couldn't do that when was that decided that i wasn't good enough and every time you catch yourself out and have that self-awareness you're connecting more with your inner authentic self i hope that kind of answered that i feel like i went on a tangent a little bit <laughs> no that's great i love it go on as many tangents as you like <laughs> but let's dive more into intuition because i love talking about that and i love hearing like you talk about it basically but for those who don't really know what it is can you go deeper into that and how we can connect to it definitely so i think the biggest thing with noticing your intuition is noticing what your ego is as well because you know i feel like a lot of people nowadays are acting from their ego purely because that's what we have. again it all comes down to conditioning have been conditioned to trust so your ego is essentially that bold rambling in your head it's its main job is to protect you um, both mentally and physically but because the ego is so largely influenced by the world in which we live, um, you know, our past experiences, our, our fears, our hurts, it feeds into our ego until it becomes too powerful. And when so much of your thoughts are governed by your ego, it's not actually serving you to set you on the right path. So your ego is seeking external validation, doing things for other people's approval. It's the, I'm not good enough. It's this constant self-doubt. Your intuition, on the other hand, is soft. It originates from your soul and your soul is that energetic part of you that is temporarily residing in your body. Again, quite woo-woo, but we'll roll with it. Um, and it's connected to your higher intelligence. So 
when you're listening to your ego, it's usually very quiet, very soft. It's a gentle humming. Um, a lot of people will get this strong sort of physical sensation in their stomach. Hence the saying, um, go with your gut or your gut feeling. And with your intuition, you just know something. There's not always logic behind it. Um, a lot of the times it can seem really irrational, but it's coming from that pure place of your higher self and knowing that it's getting you on the right path. Your intuition is, I suppose, that when you go to do something and before the questioning, it's that first impulsive thought. So that's why if, you're, if you've gone to answer a question and the first thing that comes to your mind, that's your intuition. But then you leave it for five seconds and you think, oh, no, I shouldn't say that. Oh, no, what if they think this? Oh, no, what if they judge me? That is then your ego coming in. And the second you don't, I always say you've got five seconds to respond or five seconds to do something. The second it hits that six second mark, you're out of intuition and into ego because you've left it too long. You've started overthinking. You started questioning. Biggest way to get in touch with your intuition is just do the thing. Just when something pops up, just bite the bullet and do it because the more that you do it, the more that you trust that um, that five seconds of impulse, no matter how scary it is. And on that note, there's a difference between fear and intuition as well. Fear is usually loud again, um, and it's a whole body sensation. You can feel quite sick. Whereas intuition, it's very soft and it's very it's calm. It's very quiet. Um, fear is you know, that inner voice speaking in a fearful or anxious way. And fear is ego. Intuition never comes from a place of fear. It always comes from a place of love. So just really doing the thing. If you're, you can test it. If you're talking to somebody in an uncomfortable situation and you want to respond in a way, but, you know, maybe you're being vulnerable, maybe you're having a conversation with your partner and you really want to talk about something that's on your mind, but you start you know, and it comes to mind and you start thinking, oh no, what if they leave me? What if they judge me? What if they're not happy with it? Just say the thing because the more you do it, you deeper that connection with your intuition and it will be a lot clearer when that intuition pops up as opposed to the cloudiness and fogginess of, is it my ego? Is it my intuition? Is it fear? It's very murky when you first start off trying to trust your intuition because good old society <laughs> has told us that trusting our intuition is unstable and an unreliable, I guess, source to be making all our decisions from. So yeah, just really caving in and just trusting that your intuition is always working for your higher good. So just like learning to practice to kind of follow what our intuition is telling us instead of second guessing it all the time. It is so hard sometimes. I will say that because you're like well that's such a stupid thing to do why would I do that and I'm like you just gotta do it guys you've just gotta take those nudges it's not easy it's definitely not easy to do it and none of this is easy it's all simple it's very simple stuff to do but like the idea of it's simple but actually doing it is difficult because we're breaking through all of the conditioning all of the beliefs all of the patterns and behaviors and it's, it's difficult, especially when we've been stuck in our way for so long. So definitely, and, and cut yourself some slack as well with anything. If you're trying to do something new and you stuff it up one time, don't beat yourself up for it. You're only human. It's a part of the human experience. Just roll with it and learn for next time. So true. So 
I feel like that kind of leads into something that I personally struggled with when I first started on my journey. And that's just like believing and having faith that it's working out, that I'm like going on the right path and I'm going to get to where I want to go. So do you have any like practices or tips for how you kind of just like lean back and have faith that it is leading you to the life that you want? My biggest thing personally for me, meditation, and I know it's so simple again, but meditation for me is so, like, I treat it like such a sacred ritual. Every time that I get in a meditative state or I practice meditation, I I go into a place and I really connect with, I, I visualize really well. I'm a visual learner. I can see my life all planned out for me. I can see that I'm on the right path. And I trust that in that meditative practice, that anything that needs to come up or that I need to know will come up. So for me, meditation is one of the ways that I can channel in to know if I'm on the right path, if I am, you know, if everything is working out for me. It's one of those things though that is very, I guess, dependent for each person. Everybody's got if you believe in the universe and you believe in the spirit guides and all that sort of stuff, looking out for synchronicities within the universe. So um, for me, I, I put all of my faith into the universe. That is my faith. That's how I live. So when I'm seeing synchronicities and I see them all the time, it's absolutely ridiculous. It gets to a point where it's actually really annoying. <laughs> and I will be walking about my day and I will see like true, true, true for like probably the 10th time in the day. And I'm like, are you bloody kidding me? I was like, like, give it a rest. Like I'm sick of seeing all your shit all the time. I say this all the time and my partner thinks I'm an absolute nut. But if you are into all of that and you believe in all of that, trusting the synchronicities that you see in your life, whether that's numerology, whether that's, you know, those times where you're thinking about something and maybe you're thinking about a friend and the text pops up on your phone for them. You're like, that's really weird. Or manifestation as well is something that I use all the time. Um, and that, for me, it's just my connection with the universe. And it's not going to be like that for everyone. But I put full faith into the universe to trust that I'm on the right path. And any messages that I get, any obstacles that I face, I love Gabrielle Bernstein's, is it Bernstein or Bernstein? One or the other. Um, <laughs> her quote, obstacles are just detours in the right direction. I live by that every single morning. I say it, it's my mantra. And because I have that deep trust, I know that any obstacle that comes my way, it's just there to get me back on the right path. And it's showing me that I am going in the right direction, if that makes sense, um, because everything happens for a reason. So when you're throwing a curveball in life, know that that is on your path and it's there for a reason and it's there to teach you something and it's there to help you grow. I feel like again I went on on a tangent but <laughs> <laughs> no I love it but I, okay I feel there's so many questions coming up for me on this and I'm just loving it so we're gonna go with it um when like for manifestation like setting our goals I know a lot of people like to set time limits or, like deadlines for their goals like I'm gonna achieve this by December 31st or this year or by the time this age how do you feel about that and like being on your life path how do you feel about setting deadlines for when you want to achieve certain things? Oh, this question triggers me. <laughs> Only because I fall into this trap all the time. And look, I think 
it's definitely good to have time frames, not deadlines. Um, obviously, it's different for work. You know, if you've actually got a deadline, that's a different thing. But I, and I still struggle with this for a long time, I was like, right, I need to be, you know, have my business fully established, which that's that's all done now. But I need to have the house. I need to have the kids. I need to have my dream Tesla. I need to be, you know, living in the Gold Coast. I need to be married. I need to be engaged. Like I need all the things by 30. And I sat there one day and I, it wasn't one day actually, it was pretty much every single day. I became a bit obsessed with it. And I was just freaking out. I was like, how on God's earth am I going to get all of that done by 30? I was like, Tali, do you not realize this stuff costs money? <laughs> and a lot of it. Um, and I put a lot of pressure on myself and it became really anxiety inducing. So I think having time frames, like having, I suppose, six month goals, 12 month goals, making them achievable but also having that leniency leniency and permission from yourself that if by the 12 months, say your goal for 12 months is that you have bought your own house. Let's just say that. If you hit that 12 months and you haven't bought that house, not beating yourself up for it, but looking around other areas of your life where you have had massive improvements um, or where you've reached other big goals as well. Because like I said, everything is happening for a reason you haven't hit that goal by 12 months, there's a reason for it. You could have had something dramatic happen within your life that set you back from savings. I don't know what it is. But having time frames is amazing. Our mind constantly wants to work, be working towards something. It constantly wants to be growing. And if we don't have something to work towards, that's when we feel stagnant and stuff. Having time frames is fine. Just having the leniency with yourself to be like, it's okay if I don't reach that, it's just giving you something to work towards in the meantime, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I love that. Cause I'm the same as you. Like I would think there's so many, not necessarily like I want kids and married and all that by 30, but there's so many places in the world I want to live and like live there for a decent amount of time. But I was in my head, I was always like, I need to get that done by 30. So then I can like settle down in one place. And I'm like 24 now. So I'm like kind of running out of time to live in all these places. I've got six years left and I've got to get married. I've got to get, I've got to do all these things. And it's, it's okay if that doesn't happen because everything is going to fall into place. Everything. And this is a whole other thing. Anything that you desire and dream for yourself is on your life path because if it wasn't on your life path, you wouldn't want it. So it's just like one of my coaches India, she says um, she will never be an Olympic runner, an Olympic runner, just because she doesn't desire and dream it for herself. Because if you don't desire and dream something, then it's not on your path. However, she, or for me, for example, I, you know, one of my biggest dreams is I want to do women's seminars as in like, I guess, kind of motivational speaking a little bit, um, female Tony Robbins. <laughs> Here for it. Maybe a bit more softer. Um, but I know that that is going to happen because I desire and dream it for myself. So I know that that is going to happen, but I don't, you know, I, I don't desire to be an Olympic runner because I know that that's not on my path. You know what I mean? So it's just whatever you want for yourself is is on your life path and it will happen. Don't know when it just because you want to buy a house by 30 doesn't mean that it's going to happen by 30, but because you want it, it will happen. 
anything is possible. So, yeah. I love that. I like, I love how, like, how you talk. Like, so many more questions are coming up for me because I feel like we can dive into this so much. So on that, and this comes back to intuition, how do we know without dreams and desires if it's really what we want or if we want it just to like seem cool to other people or to like be ahead of other people or someone else wants it for us again triggered by this question (laughs) i'm so sorry no it's so fun it's good um okay so it's really coming down to having a self-awareness and you will know i don't think I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anybody goes through life and if you're doing something for other people, you know that you're doing it for other people because it won't feel good to you. It will not feel good to you. It's If you, for example, say there's this really beautiful bag that you want. We're just, this is very materialistic at the minute, but say this, this bag that you really, really want. You don't want it, but it's it's the bag at the minute. It's, it's the trend, everybody's got it and you want to fit in. So you buy it, but it doesn't feel good. And you're just, you know, you're questioning it and you're posting it all over social media once you've got it. And you're constantly telling everyone, look at this bag that I bought, blah, blah, blah. That is a clear indication that you're doing it for external validation, which means that you're coming from your ego. If it's your intuition, you don't give a flying fuck. Sorry, but you don't care about what other people say because you know that it's for you. If you're trying to please other people or you're trying to fit in, understand it's completely normal. Everybody does it. It's not this, you know, this big new thing that, you know, is so rare. Everybody wants to fit in. Everybody wants to be liked. It's just, that's just part of the human experience again. But when you're doing things for external validation and you're blasting it all over social media or you're, you know, you're doing things to fit in that feel uncomfortable for you, always look for that feeling of uncomfortability and yeah, uncomfortability, essentially when you're feeling uncomfortable or something, it's usually not for you and it's usually for someone else. And then questioning it and saying, do I really want this? What can I do instead that is going to support my true self. So if there's, you know, again, back to the bag thing, there's a bag that everyone's got and you question it. No, this is for everyone else. Go buy a different bag that nobody has that you really love. And then it's switching from the ego to intuition and every single decision back and forth. I do it all the time. It took a while to get to it because again, everybody wants to fit in. Um, But once you start doing it and you start, creating your own path and being a leader rather than a follower that's when it will start to become a little bit easier to trust your intuition and um not do the things for other people's approval and external validation i love that i love the um bag analogy because like we talk like with what i do i talk a lot about the external stuff as well like creating the style that you love that isn't just like being yourself because style is such like an expression of who you are absolutely and I feel like if you're out there just buying things because they're trendy or because everyone else is wearing it, like you're not going to have that for long. You're not going to feel good when you're wearing it if it doesn't like suit you. So it's really important to like tune in and listen to what's actually for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of people demonize this, the external version of you. A lot of people say, no, it's okay. Like, 
you know, you don't have to do all these things. It's like, well, sometimes these things feel good. Like maybe I want to go spend $3,000 on a Prada handbag because I really like it and it makes me feel good. Obviously being aware that it's for you and it's not for other people, but if it feels good to you, just do it. If, if it's going to light you up and it's something you're going, it's going to make you happy, not short term, but in the long term, and it's going to provide something for you, just treat yourself. Life's too short. Buy the bag, buy the jewelry, do it all. <laughs> I love that because my like life motto is focus on what feels good. Like I really want to get a tattoo that says that. Yeah, do it, do it. It's like my favorite thing. Because if you focus on what feels good, that's going to take you. That's pretty much your intuition and leading you on your path. Yeah, absolutely. But I wanted to because one thing that I am always curious about in terms of knowing whether it's like right for you or you just want it because it's like center of attention or whatever but being like an influencer or becoming famous people who like desire that where does that like where do you think that kind of stems from and is that like an actual desire that you want or is it just an external validation egocentric one do you mean in terms of the people that are you know in that influencing and all that that sort of world are they doing it for them or are they Okay, I get what you mean. So posting the photos and all that, is that for other people or for yourself? Or just like if you want to become, like people who dream of becoming an influencer or dream of becoming like famous and having millions of followers or whatever it is, if that's like someone's biggest dream or desire, kind of like questioning whether it's like an ego-based desire or if it's like actually something that is meant for you. Got you. Okay, so the biggest thing with this is I think is coming down to your values values are essentially our driving force in life um our values you our top five core values usually don't change throughout our life they can sometimes um looking at your values and then looking at the desires and dreams that you have for yourself and seeing if they're aligned so for example my top 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 value is freedom if there is something that I want to do or there is something that I'm planning or that I'm taking an action on, if it doesn't align with that value of freedom or my other four values, then it's not for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think if you are, you know, wanting to be famous, wanting to be an influence and all that, usually we're wanting that because we've seen somebody else with it and we've seen their life and we want that life. We want, you know, if you want to be an influencer, we want to be, you know, traveling all the time for free and we want to be making income on social media and all of that sort of stuff. But it's also important to know that with social media, it is only a highlight reel. So we're only seeing that side of things. I can guarantee there are a lot, there's a lot of shit that goes on in the influencing world that would be horrible to have to deal with. Like, can you imagine the one the constant time spent on social media how bad that would be for your mental health the you know if you're a travel blogger never having stability and never having security and constantly being on the go like there are different factors of everything that aren't good but we see one person with something we think that that's an accurate representation of what that life would be like to live so I think the biggest thing is just coming down to your values. If your top value is money, which is so fine, we wanting money is so demonized in our society. I hate it. Um, money is important. Money is so important. Um, if your top value is money, 
and you are, I guess, wanting to, you know, I don't know, be famous or whatnot, that's probably supportive because it's supporting your value of money. If you are, if one of your top values is, I don't know, I'm trying to think here. (laughs) If your top value is stability, say your top value is security or stability, but you are constantly on the go, you're constantly in and out of houses, you're constantly traveling and you're feeling really rattled by it. It's probably because you're not meeting that value of safety and security. You can still do the travel. You can still do all of it, but you need to find a way to incorporate that value of security and stability in it so that you are feeding what is right for you and what is what is for you essentially and not for other people. A lot of people do things nowadays like all the trips to Europe Every single summer, everyone goes to Europe and it's all over social media, which obviously it's a beautiful place. But I feel like it, I don't know, maybe this is just my perception on it, but I feel like it became such a trend that, you know, Europe, you know, six month trip in the summer and people do it. I wanted to do it. But then I realized I'm like, I would actually rather go, I don't know, I think I said I would actually rather go to Africa for a month or two. But I was like, oh, no, but Europe's the trendy one to go to at the minute. Europe's where everybody's going. Europe's where you get all the good pictures. Europe's where you get all the cool videos and all the cool content. And because of all of that, I I went off wanting to go to Africa because I had been, I fed into this, this box of what everybody else was doing and felt like I had to do that as well when in reality I wanted to do the other thing. So yeah, coming back to your values is just the biggest piece with that and really sitting down and actually, and this is a task for anyone sitting and listening to this, working out what your top five core values are and really thinking about them and thinking what you value in your life, what's important to you and writing them in order and then looking at and analyzing your life where you aren't meeting those values and then working on, okay, how can I meet those values more? Being in alignment with your values is one of the single biggest things that you can do for your for your health, for your mindset, literally everything. Because if you're living in a life in alignment with your values, you are living a life that is meant for you and that is right for you. I love that. And quick self-plug, I do talk about figuring out um, what your values are in my ebook, which is on my website. I'll probably put it in the show notes, just so everyone knows. But how what are your tips for figuring out like what your true values are? Analyzing your life. And it's, I feel like figuring out your values, it's not an overly complicated thing to do. Like you just sit down and you think, okay, what makes me happy in my life? What is really important to me is a really good question. Um, What do I enjoy spending my time doing? All of those types of questions, asking yourself and then coming down to it and saying, okay, well, I really enjoy my time, you know, hanging out with my friends and um, spending time with them. Okay, maybe there's a value in connection there. So you really, you're in a job where you're constantly working with people and you love it. There's probably a value for connection there or a value for 
helping others or maybe your value is, I mean, maybe something that's really important to you is being in a really safe home and, you know, having everything the way that needs to be met so that you feel safe. Maybe a value is safety and security. So just going through the different areas of your life and looking at what you're happy with and what you're not happy with and kind of bouncing off that for values and just taking the time to sit down and work through them. And then once you've got your values, going through and analysing your life again and seeing what don't meet those values. What doesn't meet those values. That is so okay, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I love that. And I think also going back to... um knowing when your desires or like your goals are right for you. Something that came up for me is also just being like knowing why you want it and being connected to the why kind of helps you figure out if it's actually something that you want. Yeah. Getting back to that why is super important and figuring out your why and your purpose as well. There's a little, um, and it's on my Instagram, a little Venn diagram that I always refer back to when I do with my clients and it's working out what your gifts are. So what your skills and attributes are, your abilities, what your passions are in life. So what really lights you up, your mission. So what drives you in life and then looking at all three of those things together and, you know, doing a little bit of um, brainstorming. And once you've worked out your gifts, your passion and your mission, you'll usually be able to get to your purpose from there and your why. I love that. I'm definitely going to check that out. And I will link um, Tali's Instagram in the show notes as well. So I also had another question around our goals and then we're going to dive into some more woo deeper stuff, which I'm excited about. But what do you feel about making your goals happen versus like just trusting and letting it happen? Like where's the balance? Ooh, okay. So and I guess this kind of comes into manifestation, the law of attraction a little bit. Um, definitely with manifestation, it's not, I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions out there where you just put into the universe, I really want this and then you do nothing. There has to be aligned action with everything. So if you desire for yourself, say by the end of 2020, maybe you're a coach and you want five clients within, you want to be working with five new clients, say, if you just put that out, you do your little manifestation ritual and, you know, you do all the things, you journal on it, you say, I want these five clients. You sit back and nothing happens because you didn't take any action. You still need to be putting yourself out there. You still need to be working with the universe. The universe isn't going to do the work for us. You have to work with the universe and, you know, put yourself out there, show up more, do all the things that are going to help you get there. Um, I think there is, there's a line where you kind of, you let that desire flow into the universe and you surrender a little bit. So if you're constantly obsessed with the outcome, it's probably not going to happen because you're overthinking it so much. You need to have that trust and say it is getting five clients by the end of the year. Okay. This is what I want. I journal on it. I put it out. Um, I release it. And then I don't think about the outcome again. But what I do is I focus on the journey of, okay, I'm going to shop on my stories more. I'm going to do a live. I'm going to create a freebie to get people interested, you know, doing all of those things without actually thinking about the outcome and just thinking about the journey and how that's going to serve others, if that makes sense. 
So putting your intent and your outcome out into the universe, releasing it, and then just focusing on aligned action is what always works for me. Um, it works for my clients. It works for my friends. And yeah, just releasing, I guess, the expectation as well of what that outcome is going to look like. Because when you have such a fixed view on what that goal or outcome is going to look like, if it doesn't look like that, you're probably going to be left disappointed. Whereas if you keep an open mind, you can look at that outcome and be super excited about, you know, the possibility and, okay, this didn't exactly go the way that I was planning, but this is even better. And this is something that I didn't even realize was possible. Um, and it's, I guess, having that mindset shift um, within that as well. Yeah. I can't remember who says this. I think it might be like Abraham Hicks, but when you're like asking for your goal, saying like this or something better, because yeah. then you're like not stuck with this one thing happening when you could get something that's like way beyond your wildest dreams. I think it is Abraham Hicks. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I was like trying to figure out because like all that like early manifestation stuff is just blended in my mind. I'm like, who actually said these things? But yeah. And then I guess like it comes back to intuition as well. Like listening. That's how we get the guidance of like which path to follow. You'll get the idea of like, oh, like post on your story or, you know, go hang out at this place or something. And you may think it's like so random, but they are leading you there and just not getting discouraged if things don't happen immediately after you take each step. Trusting the process and going with the flow. Yeah, 100%. can be difficult, but just do it. (laughs) Channeling the feminine energy, which is, um, it's difficult to do, but it's it's amazing when it happens. Yeah, and we will definitely dive more into masculine and feminine later because I can't wait to do that. But I want to talk a bit about beliefs now. So we're all programmed with beliefs from since we were children. How do we work through those and stop them from holding us back from reaching our full potential? Oh, I love this topic. Um, so yeah, beliefs, specifically our negative beliefs. A lot of our beliefs are formed during our formative years of zero to seven. As children, we are literally sponges and we are taking in everything around us from the way that our parents interact with each other, from the way that the kids interact in our kindergarten, from the way that our teachers act, the language that our, our parents use themselves and with others, we pick up on everything. Because when we come out of the womb, all we know is joy and love. That's literally it. And then we pick up on everything along the way and we learn so much. The amazing thing about learning is that we can unlearn. So these beliefs that you've picked up on, they can be unlearned if they're not serving you and they're... Um, they are negative belief systems. It could have been something as small. And I use this all the time. Say you're three years old and you're in the sandpit and you know, there's a few kids and they're building a sandcastle and you really want to jump in and play with them. They say no, as kids do, they're sassy, sassy and they (laughs) they exclude people all the time. They were already building that sandcastle. As an adult, we can see it from the other person's perspective and we can see that's okay. They're already doing their thing. I'll go find more people. As that child, you cling onto that. You're not able to emotionally regulate and see it from a different perspective. So you cling on to that feeling of not being liked, people not wanting to be friends with you, and instantly you can fall in the belief that um, nobody likes me or I'm an outsider. And more often than not, and I've got a couple of friends that this happened to, they've grown up through their life thinking that nobody likes them and they've thought that the whole world is against them and they really struggle to make friends because of this one counter that they had when they were three years old. Your 
when you were younger, you might have, as kids do, they wear crazy outfits and want to go out in them all the time. You could have been five and worn this crazy outfit you want to wear out with your mum to the supermarket. And your mum says, no, that looks ridiculous. Go and change. All you were trying to do was just express yourself and be who you wanted to be. And instantly in that moment, you form the belief that it's not safe to be me or that I have to be other people. When in reality, it was just your mum, you know, being so concerned about what Sally down the road is going to say if she saw that she was letting her, you know, daughter out with a crazy outfit. So instantly your mum's beliefs and insecurities and fears have been placed onto you when they've got nothing to do with you. All of her own projections and all of her own fears and negative belief systems. How do we, you know, how do we move past these? We've got to start to reprogram. We have to start to reprogram our mind. You know, some of the most common beliefs is that I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm too much, I'm not enough. And, you know, a big thing for me for ages was that I'm not good enough in everything. I constantly thought I had to do more, be more, and that I wasn't enough just as myself. Thank God I went, I got over that because that was life controlling. Um, but we start to rewire our brains. One, working with a coach and doing the inner work. It's literally what we do and it, we do it bloody well. <laughs> um, secondly, having a self-awareness which is what coaches teach you, but you can have self-awareness by just pulling yourself up on it. So if you're doing something and you say, oh, I'm not smart enough to do this. No, hang on. Why am I smart enough to do this? Somebody else managed to do it. Why can't I do it? And questioning it. And when you question it, you start, your negative beliefs start to crumble and they start to fall away. So really questioning these beliefs when they come up and understanding that it's not your truth. And the only reason that you have these is because of the conditioning and programming that you received as a child. And once you realize that it's other people's fears and beliefs and um, perceptions of the world, you can start to see, okay, I have these at the minute, but they aren't me. These beliefs aren't who I am and separating yourself from that and um, looking at it from a new perspective and saying, no, this is, you know, this is passed on from my mom. I don't have to believe that though. I can do my own thing. I love that. So let's get more into that woo stuff because I know we both love it. Let's talk about inner child work and what it is and how it helps. Yay. Okay. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> talk about this, my favorite topic in the world. So inner child work is essentially going through and I guess working on and healing that part of you that never really grew up that part of you that is fearful, that part of you that is scared, that part of you that um, gets jealous, that part of you that feels insecure, that is just that little girl, little boy or girl inside of you that um, was never fully healed. So having a connection with our inner child is so incredible. It's along with intuition, I think one of the deepest connections you can have with yourself, really understanding and reap and, and being the parent for that little girl that she needed. So perhaps when you were younger, you and an abandonment wound is something that's really common in a lot of women. Um, it's common in a lot of people actually, but if you weren't perhaps looked after in a way that you needed when you were younger or that you wanted, and you grow up with this or maybe your parents weren't around as much when you were younger and 
you develop this fear of abandonment and it shows up in your relationships and your friendships in you know, the workplace, that is coming from a place of your inner child because she didn't receive something when she was younger and because it wasn't healed, it's showing up within you now. And how we start to heal this inner child and how we start to form that connection is by being the parent that she needs. And you can do this by adopting childlike playfulness. I dance all the time because it's what my little girl needs and I silly dance. I don't, I don't proper dance, I silly dance. And I jump around the room, I do cartwheels, I do somersaults on the bed and it's such a good time and I love it. <laughs> Doing things maybe your inner child was super creative when she was younger and she loved to draw and she loved to paint. Doing that now and bringing that back into your life also reparenting so if you're having that feeling of abandonment come up reassuring yourself physically holding yourself as if you're hugging yourself and saying you know you're safe i'm here to look after you i'm your parent now i'm here to protect you and it's those affirmations to your little girl your inner child is so delicate and so fragile and so beautiful and I just think when we can form that connection with her, we really do start to reprogramming, reprogram all of the programming that we received as a child. And we get to rewrite our story and we get to have such a deeper connection with ourselves. because when we have a connection with our inner child, we are fully in trust with us. We know as well that when we are, we are severely emotionally react to a situation that we are coming from a place of a wounded inner child. I love that. Okay. I mean, you kind of dived into this, but how does caring for our inner child and doing the inner child work help us become like even better adults and just fully step into our power? Sorry, can you please just repeat that one? <laughs> That's okay. So like, I, I feel like you kind of talked about it already, but how does the inner child work just help us become better adults and fully step into our power? By being able to heal and work with your inner child, you're essentially, you're allowing yourself to become whole. You are working on that part of you that never fully grew up, that never really healed, that never fully had the love and care that it needed. And when we don't heal that part of us, we're walking through life essentially with a part of us missing. We're not fully in touch with ourselves. So when you're able to be in touch with your inner child and have that connection with her, you're walking through life fully in trust with you. You don't need the external validation. You don't need the constant reassurance. You don't need the, I don't know, you don't need all of the external stuff because that when you're wanting the external things, the external attention, the external reassurance, that's your inner child coming from a wounded place when you're able to heal that wounded place, you don't need all the other stuff. So you can walk through life solely on your own, independent, knowing that you don't need anyone but you and that you are enough within yourself. You don't need a relationship to make you happy. You don't need an abundance of friends to make you worthy and that you're enough on your own because you have got such a deep connection and trust with yourself. I love that so much. So on a slightly different topic, how do we discover what we want to do with our lives and how do we not let fear hold us back from doing so? 
So in terms of figuring out what we want to do in our life, it's kind of like what I touched on before with the Venn diagram. So figuring out what you want to do, your purpose, your why, um, working through and figuring out what your gifts are and what your skills and abilities are, your passions in life and what your mission is. And then working through that to discover your purpose and your why in what you want to do. In terms of not letting fear hold you back, first step is to actually ident identify what that fear is that's holding you back. Is it a fear of rejection? Is it a fear of abandonment? Is it a fear of success? Is it a fear of failure? Figuring out what that fear is that's holding you back and then actively challenging that fear. So if you have a fear of success, for example, asking yourself where that fears come from and trying to figure out, okay, well, why am I scared of success? Is it because you don't think you're worthy of success? Is it because that, you know, when you're successful, you have to meet up to all these, you know, expectations. If it's fear of failure, is it because you think you're not smart enough? Is it because, you know, when you've got this fear of failure that you don't want to let yourself and other people down. So instead of just doing a thing and, and maybe that fear of failure coming up, you just completely withdraw and you don't do it at all. So figuring out what the fear is and challenging it and then actively doing things <laughs> that make you fearful and that make you scared. It's one of those things that there's no real hidden secret formula to overcoming fears. You kind of just got to do the thing. And I know that that's really not helpful, but that's all there is. There is no method. There is no formula. There is no technique. You just need to get out of your comfort zone and do the thing. It is only when we start doing the thing and we do it often that it becomes more comfortable and that we become more confident in it. That's, that's the only trick in the book. <laughs> you've just, you've just got to do the thing and trust that, you know, what will be will be. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. doesn't mean that you're a failure. doesn't mean that, you know, you're not worthy. doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It just means that you try again and you try something different. Yeah. That's like that saying, like your dream life or like everything you want begins outside your comfort zone. You've got to get yep. comfortable being uncomfortable because that's how you're going to like achieve the things. Growth only happens in our uncomfortability. We are never, ever going to level up in life if we sit in our comfort zone. And it's the number one thing that I will do with clients is get them out of their comfort zone on that very first session. And I'll make them super uncomfortable because that is where growth starts. If we're sitting in our comfort zone and we're doing the things that we've done for so long, no point even doing the inner work because you, it's just, nothing's going to happen. So you've just got to get out of your comfort zone. So true. Let's dive a bit into attachment types because I feel like they really say a lot about how we show up like in our relationships and just how we kind of approach anything really. So can you dive more into what attachment types are for those who don't know and then how they show up for us? Amazing. So um, the attachment theory um, essentially began, it, it describes the nature of emotional attachment between humans essentially. So it begins in children from our attachment to our parents and it comes from the nature of this attachment, how loved and cared for we are. Um, and then it will then influence our attachments to our romantic partners in life. So your attachment style doesn't explain everything about your relationship. 
and there's four attachment styles, which I'll get into, which is secure, anxious, avoidant, and anxious avoidant. Um, the, yeah, so it doesn't explain everything about your relationship, but it probably will explain a great deal of why your close relationships have, have succeeded or failed in the manner that they did. So as babies, it all comes down to how, you know, all the program receive as a child. We're literally like sponges. As helpless little babies, this is our first and most important relationship of our lives. So it naturally sets up the blueprint, the one that we have with our parents. And we use this relationship blueprint as we age into late childhood and adolescence, when we typically start to form important relationships outside of our immediate relationship with our parents. So the four attachment styles is one secure, which is the one we all strive to be. Uh, people with secure attachment styles are usually really comfortable in displaying interest and affection. They're comfortable with being alone and independent, but they can also depend on others. They're um, able to draw clear boundaries and stick to them. Um, they're capable of receiving and accepting rejection and moving on despite the pain. But then they're also capable of being loyal and sacrificing when necessary. Secure attachment styles are, they're just, it's in the name. They're secure within themselves. They're secure within their relationships. They've got incredible um, communication skills. They're what we all want to be. Um, anxious attachment types, again, in the name, are often very nervous and stressed about their relationships. This is the girl that calls you 36 times in one night, <laughs> wondering where you are and if you haven't called her back or, you know, the constant texting saying, do you still love me? Yada, yada, yada. They need constant reassurance and affection from their partner and they have trouble being alone or single um, and they have trouble trusting people even if they're close to them. Avoidant, again, in the name, they're all very clear in the name. <laughs> Avoidant attachment types are extremely independent, self-directed and often uncomfortable with intimacy. Um, they're what I like to call commitment phobes and they are experts at rationalising their way out of any intimate situation. So the reg you regularly hear someone who is in avoidant style um, complaining about being crowded or suffocated or claustrophobic when people try to get close to them. So, you know, this is the girl who dates dozens of guys over um, the course of years, but tells them she never wants anything serious and inevitably ends up ditching them when she gets tired of them. The avoidant type um, is you know, struggles to trust others, but has a very high trust in themselves. They tend to emotionally shut down during conflict or just completely withdraw and leave the situation. Whereas anxious is the one that's like, tell me why, tell me why, tell me why, do you love me? Do you love me? Um, and then the last one is anxious avoidant, which is kind of like a little mix of a both. So it's the best of both of the shit worlds, essentially. <laughs> um, they strongly fear rejection. So they end up pushing others away. And they usually have really low self-esteem and self-image, often assumes the worst of others. Um, and they're not only afraid of intimacy and commitment, but they distrust and lash out emotionally at anyone who tries to get, clear to them, uh, tries to get close to them. Um, anxious avoidance usually spend most of their time alone and miserable or in abusive or dysfunctional relationships. So somebody that is an anxious avoidant it makes sense if they've got other issues in their life, like substance abuse, or they've um, dealt with 
you know, other forms of abuse within their lives, whether being trigger warning, sexual or physical abuse. And figuring out your attachment style, very clear as day, you can tell <laughs> which one you are. I used to be anxious, clear as day, all the time. Do you love me? Texting constantly. I got to a place of being secure. Hallelujah. Um, that literally just happened through time. It happened through time and it happened through doing the inner work. When I, I used to be severely codependent, when I started working with my coach, this was the biggest thing we worked on each day. And I think this was one of the questions that you had about how do we get to that more secure type? Yeah. Um, if you're anxious, an anxious type like I was, doing a little thing each day for you, with you, no one else. Maybe that you spend, it can be as small as five minutes five minutes just doing something on your own or half an hour going for a walk without somebody else and working it up each day. Now I can go to cafes and restaurants by myself and have the time of my life. I can sleep on my own at night without needing my partner and be completely okay. He can go out for the entire night and I don't need to text him at all. And to be honest, I don't want to because the amount of gibberish that I receive back in the text <laughs> is just not even going to try and decode that. But that come through time, doing the inner work, and spending time on me every single day and working my way up. If you're an avoidant type, you're going to be doing the complete opposite. <laughs> you want to spend more time with people and being vulnerable, opening up to people. And when things get uncomfortable, sticking around for an extra minute or sticking around for an extra two minutes and saying the thing that you're too scared to say. It's really getting out. Of, they're all getting out of your comfort zone. In terms of anxious avoidant, this is a little bit more difficult. Depending on the nature of why somebody is an anxious avoidant, if it is due to abuse or substance abuse or anything like that, there's usually other types of therapy that's needed. Um, so I can't really give too much, I guess, recommendations on that because sometimes there might need to be other um, therapy involved but again it's just getting out of your comfort zone and whatever scares you just doing the thing essentially um but yeah i can definitely resonate with the anxious one a lot and the biggest thing that worked for me was just spending five minutes extra every day doing something that made me happy whether that was five minutes of meditation or going for a walk by myself because i didn't even used to be able to do that or going to the cinemas alone just doing little things like that that get you out of your comfort zone that will allow you to be comfortable within your own space. And if you're someone who texts your partner all the time when they're out because you're worried about something, one, if you don't trust them, why the fuck are you with them? <laughs> Secondly, so if you do trust them and this is due to just your own insecurities and own doubts and all that, every single time he goes out, you know, if you're someone who usually texts in five times one night just texting him the four times and then the next time three times and the next time two times till you get to zero and just doing it gradually you don't need to do something massive all at once and scare yourself just taking your time and doing things little by little so with do you think you can be um like a different attachment type depending on the situation like because i <laughs> felt majorly targeted by all of that but in relationships I'm a hundred percent avoidant like I know that about myself and something I am working I know that through yes yeah. <laughs> we know I'm like not good yeah. but 
but I feel like sometimes with friendships, I'm generally pretty secure, but I do have like anxious tendencies because I've gone through friendships in the past that have kind of like triggered me in that way. So yeah, you can definitely have different styles. I'm anxious with some of my friends as well. I'm an anxious style, but then within my, my relationship, I'm really, really secure. So it definitely depends on the nature of the relationship. And I guess if there's been past, and when I say trauma, it doesn't have to be massive trauma, just past trauma with, for you, if you, like you said, you've been, you know, hurt in the past or you've been through stuff in the past with friends and that's why you're anxious with them, but avoidant in relationships. If you're avoidant in, well, because you are avoidant in relationships, if you are avoidant, it would be, I would be asking so many questions right now. Um, Just do it. <laughs> because you're afraid of being vulnerable and somebody seeing you for all of you. Is it because you have been hurt in the past when you let somebody get too close? So therefore you're too scared to get close again and you don't trust them. Asking yourself those kinds of questions and actually figuring out all comes back to self-awareness, figuring out why you're actually avoidant and why you avoid the conflict. And once you figure that out, trying to make that situation safe. So if, you know, you're scared of being vulnerable with someone for them seeing all of you thinking, what can I do to make this safe? You know, how can I make this feel more secure for myself? And going along with that so that when a time does come up that you need to be uncomfortable and you need to be vulnerable, you've done the things that you need so that it's a safer situation. If he asks you, if the guy that you're seeing asks you, do you love me? And you're like, Oh oh my God, no, I can't, I can't answer it. (laughs) If you're thinking like that, make that safe for you. However that is, if that means, okay, listing pros and cons, I love my list. What are the pros of you saying I love you? What are the cons of saying I love you? And then whichever one's got the high one, do it. If, if you honestly feel like if you say I love you to this guy, it is the end of the world and you're listing more cons than pros, he's probably not the right guy for you anyway. But if you're saying, no, the pros are I'll be closer to him, we'll be more connected, X, Y, Z, and you've got like two cons, self-sabotage hello (laughs) literally putting yourself in the foot you've just if you trust this person fully you've just got to surrender you've got to do the thing like you said Brie you only grow when you're uncomfortable calling you out on the shit and this is is proof that even us as coaches we still you know we still have our own shit we're not perfect human beings so far from perfect no because we teach it all doesn't mean that, you know, we, I feel like in a lot of ways, coaches are a lot less, you know, they're probably a lot less perfect because we're so aware of everything. We can't actually live in this little bubble of naivety. We're so aware. And it's like, well, I actually have no excuse to be self-sabotaging here because I'm aware of it. So yeah, you just got to make the situation safe. Yeah. It's so true. I love linking this back to intuition as well, but with like, with anxious, well, you, how you mentioned before, like trusting the guy or like trusting the friend, whatever it is. How do we know if it's, because I feel like we can bring that 
if we don't trust someone, we can bring that from past relationships. Like we may like automatically not trust someone because of something that happened to us in the past. So how do we listen to ourselves and whether like we actually shouldn't trust this person or if there's like just past trauma putting itself um, in this? So if we're talking about specifically romantic relationships, something that I, I did with a client yesterday actually, because this is a very similar situation to what she's going through. I got her to sit down and list all of the incredible things that she loves about her partner now, all of the things that he does for her. And then I don't like to usually compare, but then comparing it to the last relationship and saying, oh my God, this guy's so much different. He actually really cares. And looking at somebody's actions as well, you will know this is like, it's not even like, it's an intuition thing, but it's just honestly a common sense thing to be <laughs> straight to the point. It's just common sense. You know, if somebody's trustworthy, unless they're manipulative and narcissistic and they're actually a good liar, that's not your fault if you date someone and they lie to you. That's on them and that's not your fault. Anybody would have caved into that. But you can tell through looking at somebody's actions. If they're constantly proving to you that they're trustworthy, they're trustworthy. If they, you know, if you've seen a message in the phone of them messaging another girl, they're liking photos of girls, even after you've told them not to and they haven't respected that, it depends. I'm not someone that cares if my partner likes girls' photos, but if that's, you know, one of your things that you don't like that and they've gone ahead and done it anyway, that's when you can start to question it and be like, why aren't, you know, it's not like he's losing much by not liking girls' photos. So why, why isn't he doing the thing that, you need to feel respected if that makes sense again it all comes down to intuition you will know if somebody's trustworthy there's there's no other way to put it looking at their actions and seeing if it's aligned with the way that they speak as well yeah and linking that to the avoidant type because this is something that's like huge for me but knowing whether someone's just like not right for you versus you're just shutting yourself down from it becoming anything interesting okay i'm just trying to think about this i can say it all comes down to intuition but this is usually if this is where you're at this is where inner work needs to be done 100 <laughs> i'm just going to mute myself continue talking <laughs> the dog's going nuts in the background um you will be able to Looking for that fear-based feeling. If you are having a feeling in your, or actually this is fear and intuition. If you're having this feeling in your stomach, this gut feeling that this person isn't right for me, look for the physical sensations. The mind-body connection is so incredible when you listen to it. It is constantly working together. If you're getting this feeling in your stomach, this, oh, I feel like this isn't right. That gut feeling, probably not right. If you're, you know, getting, you know, if you're feeling not like I don't want to do this, I don't want to get close. It's probably just because you're avoidant, but you never know until you jump in. The thing with anxious types is that they find out because they've actually jumped all into the relationship because they're codependent, because they want the attention, because they want the reassurance. Avoidant types, you don't even let yourself get in to even know if this person's right for you or not. So by date one, you're like, mm, nah, he kind of, he kind of smiled funny at me. So like, what, <laughs> what's going on? Avoidant types don't actually let themselves even have the opportunity to see if somebody's right for them. So you won't know 
it's not even a trusting the intuition thing or not because you're not actually letting yourself get to the place of even knowing if they're right for you. You're shooting yourself in the foot before you've even had the chance. So true. So targeted right now. I know. <laughs> Sorry, triggered. Like, uh, no, there's you definitely a lot of work. You've just got to do the thing. And I know it's scary. You've, you know, the fear of rejection, the fear of all of that. But you've got to, I think one of the best things you can do is really visualizing what you want your future to look like, what you want your relationships to look like and getting so clear and so excited for that vision that if you don't fulfill that vision, life is not the way you want it to be. And when you're clear about the type of relationship that you want, you will do anything to go after that. So really getting clear on what you want and even designing your dream man and then once you've designed your dream man, not your dream man, but the the guy that, you know, you want. Sorry if there's any guys that listen to this. And I'm <laughs> if dream guy or girl, um, dream partner, I should say, getting clear on what their values are, what, you know, what you guys do together, what, you know, how they make you feel. And then looking for that in somebody when you go on those first dates, when you spend time with them. And if they meet that criteria and you're still pulling away, hello, <laughs> that's where it's time to just surrender and really trust in it. If they're not meeting them, that's okay. You can say, see ya, have a, you know, have a good life. I'm going to try and meet someone else. Yeah, I love that. And I think also just kind of noticing where, because this is something that came up for me a lot recently, um, noticing where you're like sabotaging yourself. So if you know you sabotage yourself by like moving, like as an avoidant, moving too fast and then you just like shut down you don't want to do it anymore then setting those boundaries and and the sabotaging of like taking it slower being like really conscious about the time you're spending with them so that you can like extend it and really get to know them i feel it's good so i feel like you guys learned a lot about me in that like last segment we learned a lot. <laughs> but we're going to move on from that. So let's talk about balancing the masculine and feminine energies, which we kind of discussed earlier, because I'm all about balance. Love it. Want to balance everything. Um, can you describe the masculine and feminine and how they show up in our lives? Amazing. So the most important thing to know as well is feminine masculine energies. I could go on this for so long as well. So I'm going to try to make it short just because there is like no real end with this. Masculine and feminine energies have absolutely nothing to do with gender for anybody that isn't aware. Um, it's masculine energies come under the law of polarity. So the law of polarity is essentially, you know, if you've got a ne negative and positive, um, or if you've got, you know, when it comes to magnets or, you know, feminine and masculine energies, it's the complete opposites having that polarity. So the feminine, first off, we all have feminine and masculine energies that has, like I said, has nothing to do with gender. Um, and typically one of these energies is more dominant. So the feminine energy is flowing her, you know, she trusts her intuition. She's nurturing. She embodies the frequency of, you know, that she wishes to experience. She can see the possibilities that are invisible to be structured invisible to the structured masculine energy um a lot of the time there isn't logic she just taps into her intuition she is not afraid to feel she's really in touch with her emotions 
the masculine, on the other hand, is more predictable. It's the willpower, clarity, focus. The masculine loves planning and organizing. He is secure and protective. The thing with feminine and masculine energies, even within that polarity, there's the polarity of wounded and healed. So the healed feminine we just went over, there's the wounded feminine which falls into um, you know, codependency. There is the constant reassurance. There is the, I'm trying to think what else there is. I'm like having a mental blank. It's the feminine energy is essentially, yeah, codependency. It's the constantly needing reassurance. It's the feeling of not being enough. It's the, the powerless feeling, the weakness, oversensitivity and over emotional. The wounded masculine energy is confrontational, controlling. I, I fall into this trap of wounded masculine quite a bit. Um, I'm constantly feeling the need to control things. Unstable, unsupportive, avoidance, free. Hello. <laughs> Just being called out here. <laughs> avoidance. Um, you know, there's the competitiveness and we, we don't want to sit in our wounded of either, but it happens ways to get in touch with your feminine energy is being vulnerable it's adopting more flow i'm very masculine in the sense that i'm constantly wanting to control things constantly um needing to plan things so what i've done with my eight week signature coaching program um i wanted to plan it all out and i told myself no we're going to try to be more feminine. So what I've done is I've planned out what every week is about, as in, you know, the one week is all about inner child work. However, where I've adopted my flow from the feminine is I haven't planned out what we're doing within that session. So we'll get into it and we'll say, today we're focusing on this. That's all I know. And then we'll, whatever comes is what comes. Whereas if I was fully in my masculine, then I would be right. These are the questions we're asking. This is what we're talking about, yada, yada, yada. So I've adopted both the feminine and masculine within that, um, within that area. You can be really aware. Once you do, there's heaps of um, stuff on the internet talking about feminine and masculine energies. But once you look through and distinguish between what the feminine is and what the masculine is, you can see in your life where you're acting from that. So if you're constantly doing to-do lists, constantly doing all that, you're coming from a place of the healed masculine, which is amazing. We need to have both. It's the yin and yang, but a little bit of black and the white and a little bit of white and the black. Um, and then if, you know, if you're really in touch with your sexuality and with your sensuality and you feel really confident in your body, you're coming from a place of the healed feminine. So you can start to really distinguish between the two. I love that. So how can we really learn to like balance them and stop like heavily showing up in one? Cause I do find that I also heavily show up in masculine, especially when it comes to work. Yeah. I guess figuring out um, where you're showing up heavily in one of the energies. So for me, business is where I shop in my masculine a lot. So it's then questioning, okay, I still want to feel safe by doing the masculine because the masculine feels more safe for me. I still want to have that safety, but I want to adopt that flow more. So like I said, that's what I did with the sessions is I had the session 
what we were doing, but I didn't actually plan out the session. So that was me doing both. So if you are someone that is, and it could be so small, if you're someone that loves lists, needs to be organized all the time and you sit heavily in your masculine and you're like, okay, at 9am I need to do this, at 10am I need to do this, 11am I need to do this. What you can do is do your list, list harnessing the masculine, but not creating an order for them. And it can be something so small as that. So maybe you say, this is what I need to get done today. doesn't matter which one I do first. I'm just going to flow through it. And whichever one comes up first is the one that I do. It can be as small as that, as little as that. If you are someone, if you're really in touch with your feminine and you're constantly trusting your intuition, but sometimes, you know, you wish to trust your, you know, your, your brain more and you wish to do the logical side of things, just adopting that in a little bit more and just understanding how you can have both at the same time and looking at your areas and analyzing what you can do slightly different. It Once you have a proper understanding of the feminine and masculine energies, could talk about this all day, go on Google feminine and masculine energies if you're really interested and create a list of you know where you're more masculine, where you're more feminine and then kind of doing a deep dive into that. I love that. Okay. We are ending this out shortly and this is going to be maybe a huge question, but how can we incorporate all of this to truly step into our power and take our lives to the next level? I know massive question, but like, oh, yeah. let's okay. summarize it. Oh, how can we? <laughs> okay. Um, how can I mean, look, I'm not biased to say this, but coaching, I, I, there's having somebody to guide you along this journey. Cause this is what we've covered today is a lot. You can't do it all at once. It's a journey. Um, hence the name of my eight week program journey to you. It is a journey. Um, it's not going to happen all at once. It's going to take time and maybe, you know, you are more interested in one area than the other. So you start reading books on it. It can be so small as reading books, listening to podcasts, doing the inner work though with a coach is the number one thing that you can do for yourself. They are, you know, we're your personal cheerleader. We help you overcome self-sabotaging patterns, working through the limiting beliefs, overcoming the fears, you know, start creating and mapping out the life that you want for yourself and we help you to incorporate all of that. It's just, oh my God, I'm like struggling with this question so much because I'm like, so how you can, <laughs> just knowing that you can't do it all at once and that's okay. You've got your entire life to go through this journey and that's so excited because it means you can constantly be leveling up. So just taking your time and doing, doing something new every single day, doing something that gets you out of your comfort zone every single day, as small as it is. Kezia Lee, Bree and I were both on a call yeah. with her and she said to do one courageous thing every single day. And it can be as small as you like. It could be trying a new food. Honestly, I hate sauce on anything. This is so off topic. I hate sauce for the life of me. Tomato sauce, barbecue sauce, mayo, the whole thing. It disgusts me. So one day I tried sweet and sour sauce to get me out of my comfort zone and now I love it. But point is, <laughs> that was my one courageous thing that I did. 
and it was so tiny and to a lot of people they're like is this what a coach is teaching (laughs) this is coaching this is coaching we teach you to get out of comfort source by trying different sources and foods no but it got me out of my comfort zone and it set me up for the other days to work up to something more courageous to the point where I quit one of my jobs (laughs) so that was yes a pause for me um that was what I was working myself up towards. So it all starts off somewhere starting small and just doing one thing every day that, you know, promotes growth and gets you out of your comfort zone is the biggest piece that I've got for you because it's a never ending journey and it's so big and it's so infinite that we just, we can't do it all at once. And high achievers that are listening to this, I'm sorry. I know you want to do it all at once. I do too, but it's just not how the world works. Um, there's a lot more excitement in knowing that your whole lifetime to be able to continue evolving. Yeah, I love that. And I think also if you've been listening to this and you want to like listen to it again, or just as you've been listening, when you something's really stuck out to you or you've been taking notes along the way, just listening to what really stuck. And I feel like that is where you need to start. And that is a good next step. So for those who want to learn more from you, how can they find you and how can they work with you? So my Instagram is Tali Bell Coaching. Um, Bray will obviously link it in the description for you guys. I am currently got my eight-week signature one-on-one coaching program, which is called Journey to You. Uh, it is an eight-week program to, you know, really help start living the life that you desire, stepping into alignment, being your most confident, empowered self you know, realizing your full potential, overcoming the fears, the self-sabotage. It is a complete overall program where you are just going to level the fuck up in every single area of your life. Um, It is the program that I needed years ago and from the, for the place that I was in. And because of that, I know so many women need this because so many women, you know, we are so set on, you know, things like self-worth and, you know, constantly wanting to please other people and holding on to past trauma and childhood trauma. And this program is all about letting all of that go and rewriting your story, rewriting your story for how you want it to be, the life that you want and dream for yourself and rewiring your mind to have the most positive mindset and mastering your mindset. It's this program. It's weekly one-on-one coaching sessions we've got meditations visualizations um there's included oracle readings which we'll do at the beginning and end to really you know see the change um this is it's a little bit woo-woo there's there's a little bit of spiritual incorporated in it but you know if um i won't make it too woo-woo if that's (laughs) out of out of um not something that you're into, but it's just such a phenomenal program. Um, and I just, I can't wait begins in January at the end of January. Um, so there's still a few weeks to get signed up for that. Um, send me a DM on Instagram if you have any questions and we can chat more in depth about that. But yeah, that's what I'm offering at the minute. Spaces are extremely limited. Um, so if it is something that sounds like it could be for you. All of the information is on my Instagram. 
uh, you know, what it includes, if it's for you, who you'll be at the end, all of that fun stuff. So definitely head over to my Instagram and have a little look on there if you're interested. I will link that all down below for you guys if you're interested in checking that out. So I know we've covered so much today. You've already given us so much, but if you could leave these women with one last piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, so many different things. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is learning. It, it is, it's doing the one thing each day that gets you out of your comfort zone. I say that because it has helped me transform my life over and over and over again. If you want to start growing and start evolving, doing the thing that makes you scary and just completely surrendering because anything that is meant to be will be and anything that you want for yourself is for you. So just having that trust, doing the thing that makes you scared, you know, doing the thing within the five seconds before the ego steps in is just the biggest piece that I've got for you. Um, I get it's difficult, but the more we practice and the more we do it, the easier it will become and the closer we'll get to being our truest authentic selves. Amazing. And thank you so much for coming on today. This has been such an incredible episode. I know these girls will get so much out of it. And the longest episode I've ever done, which I love. I know, so long. Sorry, I'm such a chatterbox. <laughs> no, that's okay. Because I like, I sent you questions beforehand. I went totally off topic. just talked about, asked you so many more things, but I love it. So thank you so much for joining. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I absolutely loved it. It was definitely a longer one than usual, but terrific nonetheless um if you guys loved everything we talked about make sure you go check out tali i will link her instagram uh, in the show notes below and i also want to remind you guys that my program become is still in early bird so you can still save over a hundred dollars on it if you sign up in the next week as well as get access to over a thousand dollars worth of bonuses which is absolutely insane so if you are looking to become the woman you've always wanted to be discover who she is embody her work through and get rid of anything that has been holding you back then this is the program for you and i cannot wait to see you in it but thank you so much for listening to this and i will see you guys in the next one bye my loves